Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome into your favorite fantasy football podcast of your entire life. It's the Wednesday edition of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Yes, a slightly different voice bringing you in, but trying to do it with the same words. It is Michael Beller, host of this show, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. Nando DeFino out today, so I'm going to do what I can to fill his ever quirky, ever loving of Mike Davis shoes uh, on this episode of TAFFP. The co-host, though, they are the same as they are every single week. Christopher T. Vaccaro. Christopher B. Vaccaro. What's going on, Vaccaro? I had it right the first time with the <laughs> T there, Bella. But, uh, yeah, nice little Nando touch uh, there at the top. Uh, all ready for the big final week of the fantasy regular season. But I got to be honest with you guys. I already miss uh, my boy Jonathan Taylor in all my lineups. Oh, man. I am right there with you. Uh, I was a big Jonathan Taylor guy coming into this season. Was loving the fact that uh, I was getting one of my favorite college football players ever because people just wanted to go Wisconsin running backs, LOL, and downgrade him. Yeah. And so that's been a lot of fun. We're going to have to figure out a way to muddle on through week 14 Without him, though, Brandon Marianne Lee also here, of course. Brandon, week 14, we're talking about this usually as the playoffs, but not this year, not anymore. We're still in the regular season here. How you doing? Yeah, well, not only do we usually do the playoffs, but we don't usually have bye weeks. Yeah. This is a very weird <laughs> last week of the season, and so we have a lot to talk about because I actually think this is a big technique changer in the years to come if this happens again. So uh, n- not that you would not draft someone because of the last week, uh, but mm-hmm. I do think that you have to have a little more foresight a little bit earlier if you're possibly going to have your studs out. JT, goodbye. That is an interesting debate, Brandon. That's an, definitely an interesting debate, and it came up uh, amongst myself and my friends this week, and uh, I actually saw it on Twitter as well. And- and uh, yeah, it's something in the future. I don't know if uh, you know if people would change their minds on drafting players in week fourteen. I know I wouldn't go back to this summer and not draft Jonathan Taylor, uh, being how great he was. But yeah, it's definitely a bummer if you're trying to get in the playoffs or win your regular season league title, and you go into set your lineup this week and you don't have your stud first round running back or you know other solid players. So yeah, it's a debate. For or sure. you just need to have foresight. Right. So if you have people, if you, and it's not just Jonathan Taylor, of course, when I mean, there are a lot of players that are on by and were on last week. So you mm-hmm. had to have the foresight of, okay, I can't just slide in in the last second into this playoff. I got to make yeah. sure that I'm set the week before. And by the way, a lot of JT people are set already. So this isn't like <laughs> yeah. the end of the world. Mm-hmm. But there are some other players that are out on by this week where you're like, you know, and so I think that. Uh, it just needs to change. I think we need to look at this a little bit differently if there are bye weeks in the last week because this hasn't happened. Right. Yeah. Well, how would you look at what? What does that look like to you? What does looking at it differently look like? I think that sometimes when you have a stud like JT, you get a little lazy, <laughs> sure. and you have easy losses <laughs> in the middle. Hmm. I mean, truly, I I've done it. 
you know, and you're just kind of like, I'm going to stick with my safe lineup. Like, it's like fine. I just think you need to be a little bit more on the ball. And I think you slip a little bit sometimes in waivers when you're like, I have a good team, whatever. Right. And so you're just like, it's good. It's good. It's good. You're not strategically thinking week 14. And I think you need uh, to look at get it to, for week 14. You might get to this point of the season late here. I've been trying to prep the last week or two, you know, picking off a couple of, uh, you know, Hail Mary uh, dart throws, I guess, at the running back position, yep. you could say, just to fill in for Taylor uh, in week 14. But, you know, the, what comes along with the territory here is we're in week 14 and we have a low fab budget in a lot of these leagues. So you really can't go in and get if there is that one or two, you know, piece that you can uh, grab that would help you this particular week. You might be getting outbid, too. So. Mm-hmm. I, if I had to do anything differently again, I wouldn't. Uh, I, I said that already, but you know, it, it just stinks that this stud fantasy player, uh, you know, week fourteen, we won't have him. For us in the fantasy world, we don't love seeing buys this late, and I imagine that NFL teams don't love it either. I mean, you get you get beat up for thirteen yeah. weeks before you get to take a week off, or the the mm-hmm. reverse of this is. You had your buy in week five, and now this other team that you're competing for a playoff spot with gets to take a week off this late in the season. And I, I would imagine that at teams themselves would want to see these buys a little bit more stacked t- together and have a little bit more equity in them. And this yeah, is I a mean, very I wrote, Tyler, I wrote in the I wrote in my article last week that I really think they should just condense all the buys and get them all over with by week twelve. Start them in week six, get mm-hmm. them over in week twelve, and 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 that's it. I mean, I, I think this is ridiculous. Even last week in a week 13 to have teams on a bye, I thought it was ridiculous. There was, uh, I think, either one or two weeks uh, that there was only two teams on a bye, if I'm correct, this correct, year. Correct, yes, yeah. yes. So, I, I mean, why not just double up there? Mm-hmm. Every, uh, you know, just pick one week where there's either four or six teams yeah. on a bye for a five-week span right there in the middle, and then let's go for it. Yeah. I would even say you could do it, like, Four eight team like bye weeks. That's it. And like yeah, those weeks would be a little bit thin, but uh, mm-hmm. but you know then you're done with it. And like it feels even yeah. to everyone, which would obviously like if you're if we're you know we can we could opine about what we want in the fantasy world, but you know the players association, the league itself, they're the ones who actually sign off on these things. So if we're trying to get something realistic yeah. that might actually get done, I think something like that could actually be something that. Um, that ultimately gets through. But, but imagine being a player and you have to wait until week 14 to get a breather. Oh, it's brutal. I, and like yeah. I said, the I mean, reverse, sure. right? Week five yeah. and then playing 13 weeks straight before the Well, playoffs. NFL players will tell you they hate the early buy. Yeah. They hate the early buy. They they want it right when they're starting to feel those, you know, uh-huh. nicks and bruises. Yeah, no one, and, and no one needs to buy the first week of October. Yeah. 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 <laughs> You're just uh, getting your momentum yeah, for a lot of these teams, yeah, actually. Yeah. So, yeah, it's very weird. You know, I have a league only... where I have Gaskin and J- Jonathan Taylor and Alvin <laughs> Kamara, and I'm going to have to try to, like, plug in Foreman here, which we're going to talk about in a second. Yeah, look- um, you know, but you know, th- that's obviously, you know, wow, you know, but I'm, I'm already in the playoffs. It's like fine. But I thought to myself, man, if I was on the edge here, it's not great you know, because <laughs> yeah. Kamara's you know we're hoping he's going to be good to go against the Jets you know everything's like you know looking good here Looks but okay, like yeah. you know that's been a little bumpy um and yeah but it's a it's a wild wild season this year so even the JT people might be on the verge and this will affect my seating 
you know, like mm-hmm, I'm, yeah. you know, not that that's like the end of the world or anything, but it is, you know, it is something to think about. So uh, I just think that if this continues, we just kind of have to look, I think, at the season. Um, I like to think of it like like quarters, like like the year, mm-hmm. right? So there's like the first few games, the first, you know, and, and whatnot. And so I think like in this like third quarter here at the beginning of the third quarter, you should really prep for the end. All right, we've done a good, like, seven and a half minutes on Nando impressions, poor Nando impressions at that, and uh, players who aren't playing this week. So let's move on. Let's talk about guys who actually are going to play this week. And as you said, Brandon, Deontay Foreman, Tennessee Titans, back in action this week. And I should say, this is a Nando DeFino-crafted timeline. Uh, just be the, the, the mechanics behind the scenes of how the show works and how the rest of our schedules work. Um, it, it's all built very finely in that I didn't really have time yesterday to write a timeline because of all my other duties. So I asked Nando if he could still do the timeline. So now I am being just, I'm really the cipher here for a Nando timeline. I'm just delivering this greatness that Nando put together for us. And of course he had to start out with the Tennessee backfield. It is a very worthwhile topic, however, in the fantasy world. When you wanted to talk about it earlier, not necessarily, but here in week 14, with some of these buys, with some of these injuries, and with the usefulness and, frankly, the high-level production we saw from both Deontay Foreman and Dontrell Hilliard recently, it is worth talking about. So, Brandon, you said you're already going to be starting Deontay Foreman in the league. How do you look at these guys just in a vacuum? When you look at Foreman, when you look at Hilliard, are they both usable to you in week 14? Um, I think I'd prefer Foreman. I, I don't know. I mean, you know, before the buy, he had 19 carries. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how you ignore that usage. So to me, he's the he's the safer pick. Uh, but again, if you're if you're desperate, of course, you could do you know also Hilliard. Um, it's just that you know I, I think that that Foreman is just uh, pretty great. Now, of course, Hilliard, of course, in Week Twelve, over 130 yards on just 12 carries with the touchdown. You know, things look good there too. So um, I feel like I feel like it goes a little bit more towards Foreman, but I still like both of them. So yeah, just just go for it. Either if and you don't have both probably right. Yeah, so I don't think yeah. you have to decide between them. I think if you have either of them, yes, because they know just like we know, no one is Derrick Henry. Right. They were mm. so they divided it into two. So hey, you know, more the merrier. Right. Thirty carries between the two of them in that game against the Patriots, and it was closer than the thirty six thirteen final score suggested. That was a nineteen thirteen game deep into the third quarter, and then the Patriots pulled away there. Vicaro, same thing to you. I mean, do you feel mm-hmm. if you have either one of these guys, are you comfortable using him this mm-hmm. week? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am actually, and I do. I have a, a decent amount of shares of both of these two guys, and I'm rolling them out. Uh, I'm a you know, like we said, they're not going to replace Jonathan Taylor's um, production for us, but I do have a lot of Damian Harris shares, and with Damian Harris on a buy, these are two guys that I, I'm filling in for them. I think they're pretty solid RB2s. I, I agree with Brandon. I'd have Foreman over Hilliard. Hilliard, you have to remember the last time we saw him, he broke off a long touchdown run. I don't know what his numbers would have looked like without that one big, uh, you know, it was like an inside draw and just the the hole was wide open and he went a long way uh, for a touchdown. Yeah, it all counts, but, um, you know. Not necessarily predictive of where he's going. Exactly. Um, You know, the, the matchup is great. At home, off a bye, well rested. You got to figure that, uh, you know, they're going to rely on their run game in in this game. Uh, Tennessee needs to win this game setup wise. So I think they lean on their offensive line. I think Foreman will probably get 15, 20 carries, and that's uh, good enough for a top 16 running back right there. Hilliard to mix in with a little catches, and he's probably a back end, uh, low end RB2 or a flex play this week. 
It's absolutely a must-win for the Titans in this one. They lose, mm-hmm. and they're only one game ahead of the Colts in the AFC. Did you South. see Beller five to one? The Colts still uh, plus four seventy to be accurate to, to win the division. Um, to win their division, hmm. and I'm shocked at that number. I looked because six weeks ago, when the Colts lost that game at home, and Derrick Henry went down on the same day. I said, you know what? The Colts are going to come back and win this division. And I almost bet the Colts to win the AFC South that day at, at a plus. I think it was like 775, I remember seeing. And and I should have took it. And I backed away because I went and then I looked at the Titans schedule the rest of the way. And I said, oh, my God, the schedule is so easy. They're going to cruise to two or three more wins. But here we are. You know, Titans still, I, I think they're complete frauds. And I think the Colts are, are surging. I think the Colts are going to clip this team at the end. Uh, but but they're, they're two games back if they beat the Jaguars here with a, with a loss I in hand. I, I hear you, and that's why <laughs> the number is the way it is. But if we're just going based on teams that's hot versus a team that you don't want any part of, that's the situation right here, uh, you know, between the Colts and the Titans in my eyes. It's a tough sell. I mean, they would have to... Mm-hmm. Make a, like from this point forward, I would I could totally see them being a game better. Two games better with one in hand is is going to be I think a hard thing for the Colts to do. Yeah, but it's a yeah, yeah. yeah plus four seventy. It's it's certainly not a bad gamble to take. I would agree. I with wouldn't you. be surprised if they lost to the Jags. <laughs> I said it. They lose Brandon, weird games. Right. I'm sorry. I, I'm not. I'm not sitting here and saying, "Oh, it's over for them." I'm not. The Jags are so bad, you guys. They are bad, but I don't <laughs> think the Titans are a good team at all. And I'll tell you the truth. I'm in Survivor leagues, and a lot of people I know are going to jump on the Titans this week. I am not taking the Titans in Survivor this week. That team scares the hell out yeah. of me. I mean, this is the team that lost to the Jets in Week Four. <laughs> So yeah, I'm not, yeah. and they lost to the Houston Texans. This is a, wor- in week this is a worse version of the team Their that lost to the Jets. Their losses, yeah, are yeah. bizarre. So I'm not, I'm not saying they're definitely beating the Jags. No, I'm not. I'm not um, doing that yet. Now I'm not saying that that's not what I would have to say if I was like, you know, at gunpoint. But mm-hmm. my point is, is that I don't think anything is said here with the Titans, and I think that's what really you're saying, the car, right? It's like. I don't, I don't trust them because they lose to people like the Jets and the Texans. Right, and that's and and, and can we get a Derrick Henry update? Like, is there any, you know, nobody's talking about Henry. Are we not expecting him back at all until that opening playoff game? I would. I mean, are, are there still hope for us guys that are? stashing him for a playoff run and and maybe he pops up in in week 17 i mean if you're the titans uh, I mean, if you're the titans why would you you you're you have to assume you're going to take care of business and get into the playoffs and then you can get derrick henry back right i mean yeah and you're in you're not you're in no like nfl rule compelled to give any updates on him week by yeah. week right i mean he's he's on it's not like he's it's not like he's a questionable player so they don't right. have to give any updates on him. Yeah, I think you just keep that quiet until you have to say something about it. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly what they're doing. But I, I do think that if, um, if they don't handle their business about Jacksonville, there's going to be a panic button in there. Yeah, because oh, they're not even going to. Because we're we're getting to the point here where they're going to have to start incorporating some things. So I do believe that if there is a Jags loss, that the Colts are just going to come right at them hard. And I, I think that mm-hmm. there might be a little bit more of a panic. I wrote about this in the mailbag last week because someone was like, should I take him? Should I drop him and put A.J. Brown instead in my IRS, mm-hmm. IR spot to free up to bulk up my bench? And I said, and I'd love to hear you guys thought, I wouldn't do that at this point because no one is Derrick Henry. And, and frankly, even A.J. Brown, I wouldn't, you know. And so 
I don't think you can get someone off waivers that's going to be good enough to justify giving someone else those guys. And and I think that that's where you're at if you're already in the playoffs. So, and I still believe that. I still believe Derrick Henry is good enough where I'm going to hold on to him until the last breath. As yeah. long as I'm still winning and I can get a good starting lineup, I'm not letting him go now. I'm just not going to do it. I've waited this long. Why? I'm worried. I'm worried about Derrick Henry. I, I don't think we see Derrick Henry like I just said. But, you know, you mentioned A.J. Brown there. And I have a funny feeling, and I'll lump Antonio Brown in with A.J. Brown here. I don't think we see either one. I think A.J. Brown, maybe they just shut him down. Mm-hmm. Uh, not shut him down for I don't think we see him the regular season. Because this rib injury, you could throw him on IR, but that doesn't automatically mean that come week 16 he's back and looking like A.J. Brown right. all healthy again. So I worry about that. I mean, I, I don't know if you can drop him, but... You know, you can afford to drop him, I mean. But I I have a funny feeling about A.J. Brown. And then I don't know how you guys feel about Antonio Brown. I'd hate to stash Antonio Brown this whole time like I have been. Keep getting disappointed on a weekly basis. Then we get the suspension news. Now we know, all right, now we have to wait another three weeks until week 16. But, hey, at least I'll have him for my semifinals and finals. Mm Only to see Tampa Bay cut him as soon as he comes like off that's of this the, that's the three week IR. That's the concern. So I have a feeling that happens, Beller. You do too. I'm the, the, we've been hearing the reports right about Tampa saying you know no no um, you know, that they weren't going to take any made. funny any funny business that any right like one it was a one strike policy I guess is what I'm looking for for Antonio Brown yeah. and you know, that one strike was a pretty big strike uh, that he is uh, that he put in before them. So I wouldn't be surprised if once they have to make the decision if they just let him go. This is especially yeah, true because the the team had so much pride in being 100% vaccinated, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm, and yeah. Tom Brady was like, no, we got it together. We're going to yeah. go win another Super Bowl. This is what we're doing. And then this guy goes rogue. I don't know. It's it's hard yeah. to bounce back from that, especially because it's not like they don't have other good wide receivers on yep. the team. Right. So like, it's, it's almost and Gronk like is a, back healthy. And Gronk, yeah. and Gronk back is healthy. back healthy to be a number three option. Somebody brought up something interesting to me. They, they said... You know, I, I think that Brown's going to get cut as soon as he comes off this IR. But if a Godwin or Evans went down, would they say, ah, all right, now we need him and let's not cut him? And I think that's Probably. why they're going to wait these three weeks for that decision. Yeah, I think, I mean, you know, they're... That's what makes sense. We, mm-hmm. we like to think that these are moral actors, but uh, yeah. we know that they're not. And so... Why Why would they force the decision until they absolutely have to make the decision? But I think if we're in a world where Godwin's healthy, Evans is healthy, and uh, Gronk is healthy when A.B. is able to come back, I think they have to let their credibility stand here, and they would probably end up letting him go. Yeah, and I think that— What a letdown for Brown owners like myself uh, to have what we thought was basically a a wide receiver one, uh, you know, for these first six or seven weeks that he was healthy— thinking it was a great pick off of the draft board and never to get him back again it was it's really devastating for fantasy teams and if you are uh yeah it's totally and i'm in the same thing and i am actually considering dropping him because i had two losses in a row and i just i'm like this guy is just pulling me down like i gotta Mm. do some some soul searching with him um i mean obviously the backup that everyone you know is projecting would be Tyler Johnson, but he hasn't done anything. Nothing. Um, That's yeah. So sure. it's like even if he's the guy, is he the guy you want on your team? Probably not. You probably have better options. Fifteen receptions for Chris Godwin last week, and I think maybe it's an all-you-can-eat sort of buffet for Godwin, Evans, and Gronk if uh, if this remains the Buccaneers' offense. 
for the foreseeable future. Um, let's talk about the New York Giants. How about that? Uh, Nando always wants to get oh, a Giants sure. reference into his show. Uh, so, I mean, this team, I mean, right, uh, how frustrating is this team? Because, like, uh, I mean, they're a bad team, but, like, when healthy, they would probably still be bad. But there would be mm-hmm. a lot of intriguing fantasy pieces for a bad team. But Kadarius Tony just heard always. Kenny Galladay, re-injured. Saquon Barkley had the nine targets last week, and he's back. But really not producing and maybe is still hampered by these injuries. Vicara, when you look at this team, I, I mean, do you feel good about any of them going into the playoffs? Oh, oh, God, no. Uh, terrible. Just all the way around. Saquon still doesn't look like himself to me. Um, and offensively, I was excited about Kadarius Tony for the stretch run, but, you know, I, you not know, working he's out. A, no, it's, he's missed a couple of weeks and, um, Shepard along with him. Those would be the only two usable pieces in this offense. Kenny Galladay is just made of glass, um, and he can't run. So he gets covered easy when he's out on the field. Evan Ingram is just uh, useless. It's just nothing. There's nothing that you could possibly start really on this team other than Barkley and hold your nose and hope for uh, a 15-point fantasy game in, in PPR. But now we have Jake Fromm most likely starting. Now we're going to the third string guy. Uh, this this team is in total trouble. Um, you know, the, the only other piece, that, and I can't even call him a piece, is Darius Slayton, who I had to <laughs> mm-hmm. throw in one of my lineups out of desperation, thinking, okay, Shepard's out, Tony's out, Galladay is banged up. Slayton, can you maybe catch me four or five balls? Nothing there. This offense is terrible. Um, I had high hopes for it as well, Beller, um, you know, even as early as October. I thought it would at least I be said, fun. Hey, is... Yeah, I mean, I, listen, I thought it could really put up some points on the board, but this offense hasn't scored 30 points in, in two years. It's it's <laughs> unbelievable. That is um, I mean, totally And ridiculous. also, fun trivia, who is the highest scoring fantasy and full point PPR asset on the Giants? Booker. The year. That is correct. Who's number two? <laughs> kicker, probably. <laughs> For skill players, not including I assume we're not including kicker Daniel Jones in this. That's correct, because Daniel, uh, uh, it's well, it's Graham Gano, right? Oh, okay, so oh, he oh, he has a hundred and five. <laughs> so yes, he is the he is the highest. Unbelievable. And then it's the defense. Then it's Booker. <laughs> yeah, then it's weird. Saquon Barkley. <laughs> then it's Kadarius Tony. <laughs> Then, you know what's funny. You know what's funny about that is that if you take out it's Bar- Evan Ingram, if, if like if you take out like Booker's the wrench in this, but like you could have said that to us in August, like oh I'm back from I'm coming back from December, and guess what? Saquon's the top scoring player on the Giants, and then Tony, and then Ingram, and like there's mm-hmm. a there's a world where that's like a really good season, but it's right. just been absolutely dreadful for these guys. However, the total amount of points that that um, Kadarius Tony scored is 62 points. <laughs> Okay. You know, I, I think we overrate. There's people. some hilarious numbers out there this season. I mean, the Kadarius, and, and all those points were in the game in Dallas when yeah. he went yeah. off, and we all fell in love with Kadarius Tony. And then I think it was the following week where he caught like four balls on the opening drive, and we were like, oh my God, it's it's our wide receiver one of the second Back half on. of the season. And we're still living with that dream. Unbelievable. It's a pipe dream, and he's been hurt, and, and that's it. I mean... That's Disaster! The Blow up the team, fire everybody. Let's get our top two ten draft picks and probably mess that up too. 
because <laughs> uh, we do get the the Bears. Uh, sorry, Bella. That's all right. We do get hey, man, your, your jo- first. I feel rounder. I still feel totally fine about that with Justin Fields you being should. the reason. And you yeah. should. And you should. <laughs> um, we needed the picks. At, yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, that's that goes mm-hmm. back. That goes back years uh, to the picks that this team has sacrificed. But that's a totally different podcast. Check out uh, yeah. Hogan John's our Chicago Bears podcast on the Athletic. <laughs> yeah. um, nice plug. Nice they, plug. Oh, you know, it's, it's it's all part of the job. Uh, so so uh, Vicaro, you mentioned Survivor. Obviously, the Giants are going to be a. Uh, heavy survivor watch this week, given that they're terrible and they're starting Jake yeah. Fromm and they're playing the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, another big survivor watch is going to also include those terrible Chicago Bears, 12 and a half point underdogs in Green Bay. And let's talk about someone on this Packers team who maybe can help. Right? We're talking, we have all these things, all the buys and these injuries and this guy who we thought was going to be good is terrible and this guy we thought is going to be good is terrible. And Marquez yeah. Valdez Scantling has just sort of popped up over these last couple of weeks. 10 targets in week 11, 9 targets in week 12. The Packers had a week 13 bye. He clearly looks like the number two receiver on this team. Mm-hmm. And being the number two receiver tied to Aaron Rodgers, that's a pretty nice position to be in. Uh, Brandon, take a look at Marquez Valdez-Scantling for us in this game against the Bears. Is he slam dunk usable? Fringe usable? What do you think about him? Fringe. And I think that in full point PPR, he only has two games of double-digit points. So even being – listen, it's been years since being wide receiver two in Green Bay has mattered, frankly. I mean, you know, it's just a Devontae Adams show. So um, – and, and by the way, I love that show. It's a good show. <laughs> a so show. so does Aaron Rodgers, you know. <laughs> Sign me up. It's like Devontae Adams or Breaking Bad. I don't know. What day is it? So I, you know, I think it's – Yes, you know, I mean, I think he's playable, but I think that you do have to temper your expectations. He's just as likely to have a three-point game, um, yeah. and I—that's—that's I, that's how he rolls: two, three points, and then he'll have thirteen, then twenty-three, and then seven. You know, it's just like meh, and that's in full-point PPR. So I'm not going to sit here and say he's like amazing, but yes, if you're looking for someone to you know kind of hang your hat on here in Green Bay, that's going to be it, um, and and then we go from there. You know, I think that they're. Very comfortable utilizing A.J. Dillon right now. Mm-hmm. And that does kind of cap the ceiling in most uh, matchups. Uh, Chicago's about the same against the running backs and the wide receivers in terms of allowing fantasy points. So there's not really like a, a benefit to one or the other over this. So that's why I think, yeah, he's fine. But I think you're looking at a 10-pointer. I don't think you're going to get like a big pat. Yeah, I think it's boomer. I, I think he's more boomer bust, like you said, uh, Brandon. Lazard doesn't seem to be, uh, you know, that number two at all that people try. You know, I feel like we've been doing this for years, honestly, yeah, between yeah. Valdez Scantling and Alan Lazard, and seeing like which one's going to step Kumaro. up and be the two. Brown. Then there's Kumaro, St. Brown. <laughs> and, Here's uh, the thing, though, um, that I'll be looking at this week that I, I think people are. It's under the radar. If you remember late in that game with the Packers before when we last saw them, Randall Cobb got hurt. Yep. And he came up with a knee injury here. And I don't know if he'll be ready. I haven't heard any really uh, update on him. But if he comes out of the week here and is a DNP and and doesn't wind up going, now it starts opening up extra targets in this offense. There's already been the targets that got you know left behind with Tanyan out of this offense when he went down. But to be real, to be honest, yeah, the, the number two wide receiver every week on the Packers is either Aaron Jones or A.J. Dillon because he mm-hmm. utilizes his, his running backs out of the backfield. And either Dillon or Jones or both catch five or six balls 
And that adds up after Devontae Adams, 38 targets every week. (laughs) So it's, you know, and then it's if Valdez Scantlin could get loose or Lazard could get loose and and go uncovered in the secondary, that's what leads to one of them having a 15-point game. You know, I I watch the Packers a lot, and it's frustrating having, you know, to try and throw a dart play on either of those two guys. But that's realistically what they are. Mm Mm-hmm. I want to stick in the NFC North for a second, you guys, because we know that Adam Thielen is going to miss Thursday night against the Steelers Mm -hmm. with his high ankle sprain. So K.J. Osborne and Tyler Conklin both should get a little boost in targets. And, you know, we've seen K.J. Osborne be usable this season or at least be someone who's uh, got a function for the Vikings. And I think what most interests me, you guys, in K.J. Osborne is the fact that this Minnesota team, going back years, is just a – two receiver in their back sort of team. And it almost doesn't matter who fills those roles. So how interested are we in Vicaro? You can take this one first. How interested are we in KJ Osborne? And then maybe Tyler Conklin also going into this Thursday nighter against the Steelers. Definitely interested in both. And I think those are the two of the hottest pickups on the waiver wire that are actually available. Yeah. Um, you yep. know, even yep. in deeper leagues, you know, a lot of people left these guys for dead. I know I went in on KJ Osborne in those opening weeks when he got off to a red hot start And I said, oh, my God, you know, with Irv Smith out of this offense and really at that time, no tight end to speak of, you know, I I thought Osborne was going to be that third option that actually emerged and played a nice weekly role. And then he just fell off the map, like Mm -hmm. completely. And now here we are week 14 and he resurfaces again because of the Thielen injury. Um yeah, he's definitely going to be a high priority for me this final week of uh, free agency. I see him a lot on my waiver wire, so for sure. And Conklin, I think, could be a you know a sneaky top 10 tight end play uh, this week as well. It'll be interesting now that Dalvin Cook got in a limited practice last week, uh, I mean uh, yesterday, to see if if he's ready to go on Thursday or if they're just ramping him up for yeah. uh, you know week for 15. Yeah. I doubt he'll be ready to go here. But hey, listen— you'll never see a team's defense be focused on one player more than the Steelers' defense is going to be focused (laughs) in on Justin Jefferson uh, Thursday night because that's really all this team has offensively besides Madison in the backfield. Yeah, I think uh, the plain fact of the matter is is that, you know, Pittsburgh gives up the ninth most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers and the tenth fewest to opposing tight ends. So I think that if we're going to weigh those two players, I'm going to go Osborne just based mm-hmm. on the matchup. And then um, if you're playing Dynasty, I think Adam Thielen is a go-by now because he's old and injured. It's a beautiful thing. And he's <laughs> going to still be there next year. Go get him. I do think they're going to key in on Justin Jefferson, but I think that would be a mistake. He is old, and that's what I'm saying. Like, if you're he's, doing Dynasty, yeah. he's a perfect I, pickup. I feel like he gets hurt now, like three years in a row at the end of the year. Uh, you know, is it, is it, does it seem that way? I don't know. I, I don't know how many years Thielen has left in that But body. he's going to get you to that playoff, and he is Mr. They're going to oh, yeah. shift him, I think, like Larry Still Fitzgerald. He's got at receiver. least two more years, in my opinion. Sure, but uh, sure. I think that the problem is, is that if we're talking about – the, the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, they're not great against the run. And I think if they ignore Madison, they're going to be in real hurt. So that's the only mm-hmm. thing that I'm thinking is that if Madison just like rocks it and they give him 22 carries again like they did last yeah. week, I think there's a possibility that there won't be as much for any of the pass catchers other than Justin Jefferson. But they're going to have to key in it's on that because point. he's going to kill him. He's going to murder it's a great. Them. That's a great point. And, and I have two questions I want to throw at you guys. Number one, is Kirk Cousins playable this week? 
And number two is Justin Jefferson, a first-round draft pick in our fantasy drafts next uh, year. I say yes to Jefferson. Um, For sure. I think yeah, he's, he yeah, I think he's, he's pretty easily set himself in a group with Devontae Adams and mm-hmm. Cooper Cup. I mean, I think they're pretty comfortably the top three receivers going right now. And so I think, I mean, just look back over these last four weeks. I mean, the, these numbers that he's putting up are ridiculous. And I yeah. mean, he's doing things that Randy Moss never did in the Vikings uniform. And we, and it's arbitrary endpoints. But still, whenever you're putting your name next to and above Randy Moss, you are doing some special stuff. So I think he's definitely in that. We always have that group of receivers that ends up being in the first round. I don't see how you look at the entire position and not put Justin Jefferson in that group next year. I agree Right, real quick. I, I'm thinking, I'm trying to think off the top of my head what wide receiver would crack that top three on the fantasy board next year, Beller. And and I don't know. I, I mean, C.D. Lamb? Yeah. I mean, Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill. Yeah, exactly. That's who I was going to throw I out there, I think that's too. right there. Uh-huh. Uh, and that's it. Yeah. I, don't, I, I mean, could, yeah, I Jamar feel Chase, like... Jamar Chase, if you wanted to try to... Uh, yeah. He's really he's really taken a step back lately yeah. now, but I mean, he'll definitely be a top you know, 24 pick, Jamar Chase, next mm-hmm. year off the board. I just don't think we'll see him in the first round. If you look at the last four games for Kirk Cousins... He's had 294 yards or more in three of four. He's had at least two touchdowns in each of those. Okay. Um, Only one interception. And even though obviously their losses are just so outrageous, uh, I do think I I have him as number 10 on the week. Right. So you have Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady. Pretty much every week, right? Dak Prescott. And then I would have Stafford, maybe Russell Wilson, and then Cousins, and that's it. I mean, yeah, I'm worried about Cousins just because, you know, you bring up a good point, Brandon, with the, you know, the Steelers can't stop the run. And if they if Madison's going to get 20, 25 carries, how much volume is there going to be, uh, you know, for Cousins in this game? And, and we see this from Kirk Cousins in Fantasyland all the time for years as soon as we all start jumping on the bandwagon on the Kirk Cousins bandwagon it's here comes the 140 yards and one touchdown and three interception game and what better way for what better time for that to happen for Kirk Cousins owners than week 14 right that's well sarcastic. exactly and and right. I hate him in prime time too I feel like he always Even, embarrasses yeah, himself. There you go. On and top I feel, of that is primetime Kirk. Oh, my right? God. Yeah. And I feel so like a narrative street on that, you know? Mm, but I yeah. do. I hear you. It's there, a real it's, thing. We're but getting primetime Kirk two feeling. weeks in a row, you guys. Uh, Monday ugh. night. Prime, not Primetime Kirk two weeks in a row and primetime Chicago Bears two weeks in a row with primetime Kirk versus primetime Bears next week. No. Oh, man. Imagine if Andy Dalton started that game. <laughs> <laughs> primetime Andy Dalton. Oh, man. I just, feel, I just feel like Justin Jefferson is so good. They're still yeah. going to throw it to him. It's just oh, the yeah. other guys that I, I'm like – I do think there's a chance they don't get as much usage as we want if Madison's murdering them, but they're going to still yeah. use Jefferson. I don't think Jefferson's going to take the week off. I'm not, no, no, no. I, I'm not going crazy to bench Kirk Cousins. I'm not reaching down to, like, I don't know, Tua to bench Kirk Cousins. Um, I would maybe think about starting Taysom Hill over him because of what Taysom can do as a runner, but, like, the thing oh, he that, worries me now, though. Yeah. Well, for, I, mean, I saw that game, I mean, and I'm like, oh. This Taysom Hill. <laughs> he oh, looked first terrible. Off, he's terrible. He looked terrible. No, no, yeah. He's See, ranked is, in the top 10 with a lot of fantasy experts right now. People are like, no, I'm going is, all in on Taysom Hill. And I'm like, and same with Cam Newton. And I'm like, I'm still, I'm pumping the brakes on both oh, of them. Sorry, I'm just yeah. not doing it. 
the the Taysom Hill conundrum. I mean, it's kind of like a poor man's Jalen Hurts discussion. Like mm-hmm. you watch Very the games, poor. he sucks. <laughs> they both, you know. But at the end of the day, they're sitting there at twenty five, thirty fa- fantasy points because what they're doing with their legs. Uh-huh. You know, I, I you can't expect. And, and now he's got this torn ligament in his finger, so he already couldn't throw. So now <laughs> you give him a torn ligament on his passing hand. I mean. Is he going to throw for 50 yards this week? And when <laughs> yeah. are defenses just going to play it like it's the Monday night football game where oh, they put man. nine in the box? And they're and, playing and... the Jets, too. I forgot about that, actually. Like, could, yeah. the, could the Saints run the ball like 50 times in that game? Could the uh, Saints I mean, do what the Patriots Kamara just did? and Ingram did? have to get 40 carries. <laughs> yeah, right. 40 carries, easily. 100%. I just feel like if they're losing to the Jets at halftime, I could see Sean Payton saying, that's it, we're putting Simeon back in. Yeah. I'm out. Yeah. You know it's what I'm possible. saying? Like, it's totally, it's because totally it's about, possible. he doesn't care about our fantasy team. So he'll be like, yeah. okay, yeah, I know he's getting like, you know, however many fantasy points, yay for you. But like, <laughs> we're losing to the Jets at halftime. I'm done with this. Four interceptions. We're not, we're not playing anymore, especially with the hurt finger. I just think that they can also use that as an excuse mm-hmm. to get him out of there and say, well, you know, the injury, we just thought, let's just, you know, put him in. I, that's my fear with Taysom Hill is that it just gets to the point in real football mm-hmm. that th- this is, because here's the thing about, hurts is that he still often they still will sometimes win games right and they they can still do that right i don't know if they can win games with this guy i'm really concerned that was shocking so i i don't know real ugly real Real ugly ugly. but hey if you want a preview of the saints offense on sunday check out the army navy game on saturday (laughs) (laughs) oh man warm up teams have uh, the the eagles just ran for 185 on the jets uh, mm-hmm. The Dolphins ran for 115 on him. The Bills ran for 139. The Colts ran for 260. Like, you can run on this team, and I mean, oh, yeah. the Saints are gonna the Saints are gonna do what they can. Really quick, just to tie up that loop on Kirk Cousins. What the thing that can, would concern me about him? Um, again, like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not like he. I feel like Kirk Cousins falls in like a very like it's not a hard decision to make. The, a guy, all the guys who Brandon listed, you're obviously starting ahead of him. The people who you're who are behind him, I think it's pretty obvious that those guys are behind him. The thing that concerns me is that Adam Thielen, for two years now, has been such an engine of what this team does in the red zone. And if it's not Adam Thielen, it's Delvin Cook. And right. so I worry about this team getting inside the 20, 15, 10 yard line and stalling because the two go-to guys in the red zone for two years now aren't out there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I there's, would, there's a I lot of narratives Madison. going against this. There's a lot of narratives, and then on top of it, add in the fact the short week, these Thursday night games, they mm-hmm. always seem to be getting off to ugly starts. They all they they get all messed up. They're always low scoring, just ugly football. I could see us sitting here at six three at halftime, and I'm saying, why did I go back to Kirk Cousins yeah. here? And part of what we saw last week for the Steelers uh, against the Ravens was generated by some indecision for Lamar Jackson. But 20 hurries, 20 hurries in that game for that Steelers defense. I mean, part of that's Lamar, but part of that's just the Steelers being able to get after the quarterback. So I think that's a factor yeah. here that we think about, sure. too. Well, they're doing that instead of stopping running backs, and I don't know how that's going to work out for them. So they're going to need to yeah. they're going to need to measure that. out. I literally think they're going to look at the tape and say, OK, I, I, we have to we have to stop the run. Yeah. I mean, speaking of fingers, guys. Running. Speaking of fingers, uh, how concerned are we with Joe Burrow and Joe Burrow's um, production and the rest of the Cincinnati offense? I'm going to be writing about this uh, in my article this week. I think there's major concerns here because I watched that whole Bengals game as a big Burrow owner. He did not throw the ball downfield once that injury occurred. And when we saw him on the sideline throwing, 
playing with a dislocated pinky, uh, I think this is a lot of dink and dunk, and I'd be looking to sit Burrow uh, this week. I don't know how you guys feel about that. Really quick, Brandon, let me jump in first, and then you can say what you want to say, just because I want to add a little bit more information to this. So I talked to Jay Morrison, our Bengals beat writer, on this very show yesterday, and obviously we spent most of our conversation talking about Burrow, uh, and he mm-hmm. said that you know they talked to uh, Jamar Chase and Zach Taylor after practice on Tuesday, and that you know both of them said the zip was there for Burrow, the accuracy was there for Burrow, uh, but then Jay himself said, realistically you're going to lose a little something like it can maybe Mm -hmm. mostly be there, but you're probably going to lose a little something. And then what happens the first time he maybe takes a hit on the hand? What happens the first time he just gets tackled and falls on the hand? I I think those are things that we do have to worry about a little bit going into this one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, San Francisco is mm-hmm. the best worst team in the National Football League. <laughs> they're just terrible. Perfect. They're a really Perfect. bad team, but they're but they're really good in really weird situations. So it th- it just depends on which version of the San Francisco 49ers show up. I don't love this, but I don't think I'm confident enough on a Wednesday morning to say if I would bench any of the people that I would normally play. Um, I, I will say um, my JT team. I have Joe Burrow as my quarterback. And so I'm already missing JT. I mean, I'm in the playoffs, whatever, but I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, do I just pick up someone? Do I try to, you know, I mean, you got to get some insurance going here. And let me tell you, all my Kyler Murray leagues are just completely jacked and I'm just begging to get in, right? So when these injuries happen and sometimes they, they can get prolonged, but but that was obviously a different injury. My point is, is that like, I don't feel confident right now, but I'm not going to bench anyone right now either. So yeah, I don't believe sense? that. Here's what I'll say, Bella. When you said, um, you know, the coach uh, and Chase saying there was zip on the ball, I don't believe any of these coaches anymore when they mm-hmm. speak and, and the players. No reason to. This is, this is why would you say, oh, yeah, you know what? That ball was coming really weak today at practice. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, and now defenses know, all right, well, we don't have to play anything further than 15 yards down the field. Let's crowd the line of scrimmage. They got to send out all the rose petal, uh, you sure. know, puff pieces saying Burrow looks great. I'm just saying, I'd be worried. I I would be downgrading Chase and Higgins uh, this mm-hmm. week. Whereas but still still playing them. Oh, still playing. You still you have to play them. Yeah. But I could just see you know a hundred and eighty yard passing game, one touchdown type of performance from Burrow, where they lean on a hopefully healthy Mixon, uh, you know, for twenty five thirty carries in this game. Yeah, Mixon was not sexy last week, so I you know we're gonna have to hope that he has a little bit of a bounce back here. But they're gonna have to do that. There's just mm-hmm. no other choice for them, I think. Um, but if they, if if Mixon, the problem is that Mixon needs to come back either way <laughs> to open up the pass, you know. Uh, so if if they're just sitting there going, all we have to do is stop Mixon, and and they're able to do that, then there's nothing, you know. It's it's bad news all around. So um, Mixon's actually a pretty key part of I think what's going to happen next week. So I just want to make sure that he's got a little zip. That he's healthy, <laughs> yeah. that he feels good, and then I—I I I was petrified better. watching him, uh, you know, limp off, the, uh, you know, go down uh, with the neck injury, and uh, I saw my season flash before my eyes. But you know, he, he's another one that uh, you know he went to the sidelines. We didn't know any if what was going to happen to him, and five minutes later, he was back in the game, a la Eli Mitchell, who had the team doctors all around him laying on the field. I thought that was the end of him, and then five minutes later, he was back in the game. Only to see, uh, you know, that he actually did have a concussion, which is amazing to me. 
Yeah, let's get on that actually here. A um, couple more things we want to talk about before we wrap up the show. And it is Eli Mitchell and that 49ers backfield. Mitchell's going through concussion protocol. Jeff yeah. Wilson uh, has aggravated his knee injury. Trey Sermon, we know, is on IR. Uh, this is a late 425 Eastern time kickoff between the 49ers and the Bengals. Uh, as you're sitting here, uh, Mitchell's on your team. Wilson's on your team. I mean, are you are you counting on them at all? going into this week as we are sitting here recording the show on Wednesday, Vicaro. Uh So I have Eli Mitchell, and I have Eli Mitchell on some first-place teams uh, that are going for some big money this week, and this is my number one focus and major concern. And, um, you know, I'm going to be trying to, with the 425 start, trying to throw some pieces on my uh, teams here just to cover myself if we don't get news, if it's one of those game uh, game time decision types. I don't expect him to play. I'll be I'll be surprised. The fact that he came back, they messed this up, this diagnosis of the concussion. He came in on Monday reporting symptoms. That's not good. Usually you want to see it the other way where, you know, on Monday you get a report where he's feeling a lot better today. Well, no, it was the other way around. Then on top of it, you know, he took hits after at the goal yes. line after Very he was concussed. Stuff. Like, you know, so I think we're set up for a big disappointment here with Eli Mitchell late. I, and I, I wish I knew that Jeff Wilson would be the, the fill-in here, but he's got the knee, um, uh, you know, flare-up. Yep. Uh, that's a concern. Uh, is there going to be a lot of uh, Michael Hasty bids just to mm-hmm. cover yourself uh, going into this game? But it is going to be a concern, and um, I don't expect to see Mitchell. In good news, concussions are either you have one or you don't. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we don't need to worry about like, oh, we're going to test the knee out. You, you don't test a concussion. You either have them or you don't. I don't think it'll be game time. He'll either have a concussion in the morning or he yep. won't. And so we're going to know. So that's, I mean, I, you know, I hate to say good news about a concussion, but, you know, that's where we're at. Uh, the other good news is that Elijah Mitchell is very good at football still. Right. So we feel good about him as a player. If he's okay, I play him. I don't need to worry Mm -hmm. about his knee Mm kind of going in or out. Or is this going to be okay? No, it's like he's either has a concussion or he doesn't. I either play him or I don't. I get hasty just in case. And then I'm, I, you know, you just got to move on. But out of all the injuries for fantasy, the concussion is the most decisive. Right. Now, Mm San Francisco, again, being the best worst team. What are you doing? How did this happen? That needs to be addressed. Yes. But 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 in terms of like fantasy purposes, we're just going to have to run your waivers, get a backup. We'll know on Sunday. But the good news is they don't have to test out a concussion. He has it or he doesn't. So I I feel decent about what we need to do. It's It's just unfortunate because he's very good. I just think it's it's uh, and and I agree with everything you say, Brandon. I think it's more of a, you know, we're we're not going to play somebody at one o'clock that's a lot less of a, a player than an Eli Mitchell in week fourteen. If we didn't have the the information there, and and who's actually available at four o'clock and later, you know that you could plug mm-hmm. in. And there's really not that many options when you look at these games and teams. If you want to go to Buffalo playing at four o'clock in Tampa, take a shot on maybe a, a you know one of those three backs which. It looks disgusting there, what they're doing. Yep. Um, there's really not much. Not Green Bay is Ronald set. Jones, you can't, yeah. This, you know, I could be wrong here, but I think if he's still showing symptoms, I don't think he gets on the plane. Yeah. I think, I think yeah, actually, I, I 
I think Brand. I wasn't even thinking about that when I threw out the kick time here, but I think she's. I think you're right, Brandon. I think that this is something where we'll probably know on Saturday. I think we'll know. But I I could be wrong on that, so please don't quote me, and I want to check that. But (laughs) I do believe concussions are pretty cut and dry. And let me tell you. Especially with it being a road game. Yeah, it would help a lot more if this was a home game. You're right. Um, But, you know, we're going to need to see Thursday, uh, you know, getting on the practice, a limited practice. Mm -hmm. Friday, like a full go, passes is all his test. And and like you said, we will have more information because getting on the plane and everything. But I do think you're right. We have to plan on him not playing. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's the responsible thing to do right now, which stinks, again, for those of us that have Elijah Mitchell and JT, because I'm one of them. So, um, you know, again, in that league, though, I'm already in the playoffs, thankfully. Uh, but this is what I'm talking about with, like, this end-of-season strategy. If you're on the, the cusp, this is a big blow, no doubt. Yeah, I, I actually have a, one of these teams that uh, has Eli Mitchell is, a, is in first place going for nice money here and i look up and it's a uh i've been solid i've been rolling out three running backs every week with zeke eli mitchell and damian harris Mm -hmm. and now i get to week 14 and i got a banged up zeke who who knows what he can give me on a weekly basis eli mitchell with the concussion and damian harris on a bye so i went from my three strong running backs to like a half a one and it's it's you know, tough to look up in week 14 and, and go into it like this, but here we are. Well, maybe this can be your consolation here, Vicaro. Last thing we're going to be able to get in on this mm. show, and it's Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore with another good hey. game last week, right? 12 targets, mm-hmm. caught six of them for 77, and a touchdown. Corey Davis out for the season is one semi-competent half from Zach Wilson enough <laughs> to make you feel okay about Elijah Moore for the rest of the season. Oh, I feel great about Elijah Moore uh, rest of the season. I think he's a solid wide receiver, too, for fantasy. Top 20 wide receiver, weekly basis going forward. Corey Davis out of this offense. I mean, Corey Davis, I feel like he hasn't even been in this offense for, for <laughs> yeah, that most of the year. two-touchdown game week one, and that's, uh, that's been exactly. about Exactly. <laughs> you know, he shows up every now and then. He plays a little bit. He goes down again, and he's gone. Um no, I mean, it's a perfect scenario to be an Elijah Moore owner the rest of the year here. I mean, you got a team that's terrible defensively. They're always going to be trailing. You have to throw a ton. Uh, other targets in this offense are coming out one by one. Um, you know, Denzel Mims, I guess, is going to start getting uh, heavy playing time the rest of the season here. And Jamison Crowder could be a sneaky, um, you know, uh, PPR play on a weekly basis, like a solid wide receiver three, I think, here on out. So, um, but Elijah Moore, that's the focus point. That's the focal point of this offense the rest of the season. And uh, he's the only guy I would go to in this offense uh, for fantasy. I would go to Michael Carter in weeks 15 and 16 mm-hmm. and 17. Um, uh, 17 is a little dicey. You think we'll see him? Bay. You I think do. we'll see him with a high ankle sprain? If, you know, that's another one. You throw him on IR. But just like Chase Edmonds, Chase Edmonds is supposed to be back this week, but I haven't heard anything about a Chase Edmonds after a high ankle sprain. Yeah, you know? we haven't heard a word about him. Nothing. You're not going to see that's, him. And that's, all, that's Monday night, too. Yeah. It's, you know, these high ankle sprains for running backs, they want to say, here's IR three weeks, but that's just to place them on IR because they know they might be out five or six. So, you know, the, the Michael Carter thing, I don't know if we see him for, uh, if we see him at all, who knows? Week 11 was the last game he played. That was where he had the ankle injury. Yeah. So what? It's been 12, 13, 4. Yeah. It's been 
Yeah. This will be fourth. This will be yeah. the fourth week. So right? he'll miss. He'll miss this week, and then mm-hmm. he's eligible to come to come back the next week. Yeah, right. Uh, but he's right. so much better than what they have. <laughs> I miss him. Safe oh, to yeah. say. I mean, no <laughs> doubt. And so, um, it 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 will be interesting. I think that. I'm very excited for Elijah Moore. I'm glad that he's coming on here toward the end of the season. He's also been able to kind of produce with whoever's out there, mm-hmm. which is a big, big benefit here uh, because we don't know who's going to be out there for quarterback. <laughs> it's such yeah. a disaster, disaster. So, um, listen, obviously he was a really good pick for them. He's a really good pick for fantasy. You know, the last three weeks, 11 targets, 8 targets, 12 targets. Mm-hmm. If anyone has those numbers, you start them. It's it's pretty much a no-brainer now, which is really exciting. Only wide receiver who's outscored uh, Elijah Moore from week 9 on is Justin Jefferson. So wow. he's doing he's doing something right, yeah. regardless of who his quarterback is. And he scored a touchdown in four of the last five games. At and least people one. are talking about him in the fantasy industry, but not enough, I feel. And Agreed. and what be- what you just said, Beller, should have people gushing about Elijah Moore here, mm-hmm. you know, uh, over this last month because I know I have him on um, uh, too many of my teams, not yeah. enough. Uh, and I see the production week in and week out in you know in my lineup, so I know he's getting the job done. There's been some touchdown dependency to it. He's got though five touchdowns, as Brandon said, over these five games. Four of mm-hmm. them, four he scored in four games, five total touchdowns in the in those games. But uh, two games where he's been south of four, 50 yards. So maybe that's part of what's at play here. Why maybe. he's not getting the full attention, but still. Who else is going to do damage in this passing game with Corey Davis? It's going to be him. It's going to be Jamison Crowder. And as Brandon just mentioned, 11 targets, 8 targets, 12 targets the rest of or those last three weeks. I think that's what we should be expecting the rest of the season. I think he should be an eight and a half, nine target sort of guy the rest of the way. And game. I also don't yeah. agree with the whole like, oh, touchdowns aren't predictive completely because quality touches matter, right? Mm-hmm. So if yep. you're constantly getting targeted in the red zone, you're more likely to catch something in the red zone. I, I mean, there is there is a predictability to it, and that is Elijah Moore's role. So um, I, I understand. It's the same thing with, you know, that was the big debate about Devontae Adams and why it took so long for people to realize he was the number one wide receiver in football. They were like, well, he's touched dependent. And it was like, right, but if Aaron Rodgers is always targeting you in the mm-hmm. end zone, you're probably going to score touchdowns. That is actually a statistic you can look at. So I do think that that's important is that when we look at this, are they getting those quality touches? And if so, then that is the predictor, right? And that is where Elijah Moore is. He is the guy in the red zone. The only catch there, of course, is that unfortunately it's the Jets. So you're like, are they going to get to the red zone? These are questions, you know, mm-hmm. but they have been doing that lately. You know, he is scoring. They are, you know, and they're not the worst team in football. (laughs) They're not the worst team in football. I would agree with that. That's uh, close. But that was a statement we couldn't say for a long time. So I feel good saying it. (laughs) Oh, man. And also, I think that's just the perfect way to say, let's call it a show. The Jets are not the worst team. In the NFL, they're awfully, awfully close. But you know, thank you, Detroit, for uh, for stepping. Hey, maybe Houston and maybe Jacksonville. They're all pretty terrible. They're in a group together, just like the three of us are in a group at the opposite end of things. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Greatly appreciate you being here with us, not just today, but all season long, deep into the year here in Week 14. For Vicaro, for Brandon, I am Michael Beller. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon. See ya. 